great episode coming up. We are going to get into it with five damn things uh, for the hips. James Wenlin stopping by. We'll also have our gear segment dealing with the Warrior Stick, the RV3i. And uh, Woody has a great explanation of what that means. Uh, with the co-founders of Ingle Magazine, it's David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Gentlemen, you guys are together. How does it feel to be side-by-side side recording the podcast? I feel sort of all warm and fuzzy right now hanging out with Woody. I'm a little worried how warm and fuzzy he feels right now, Darren. You know what? I'm with you on that one. That sounded kind of awkward, the fact that you guys are sitting on the couch and he offered up warm and fuzzy. Well, I'm awkward. Can I say? Hey, listen, we're not in the hot tub together, so it's all right. You guys are going to be over at the hockey shop, uh, Source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Big couple of weeks coming up over there. Yeah, I know. Hey, like Black Friday sale. Like, I haven't got all the details. I'm waiting on Cam to give me all like the specific. So they don't even tell us. That's how big the sale is going to be. So make sure you keep an eye on thehockeyshop.com for the Black Friday sale. You hear us talking every week about all the new stuff that's in. There's going to be discounts on a lot of gear uh, as well. Make sure you check out thehockeyshop.com for their gift guide. Because I think a lot of the... We, let's be honest. Black Friday can be a selfish thing. I'm looking for something for me. But I think it's good if you've got a goal in your life as well. You may be able to save some money while getting your Christmas shopping taken care of. And so the Hockey Shop kind of has you covered with both. They've got the Black Friday sale coming up online at thehockeyshop.com and in person at the store out in Langley. But they've also got a gift guide that they've published online. So read through that. See if you can find that special something for the goalie in your life. Uh, and if you got any questions, of course, you can hit us up or hit Cam up and ask, you know, w- w- what do I get the goal? Like, what does Hutch want for Christmas from a goalie perspective? For the goalie who has everything, Hutch, what would you like? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I love the accessory wall over there because for the goalie who's got everything, you can hit up the accessory wall and maybe you want one of those cool padded inner gloves like the lizard skin. Or maybe some new helmet straps so that you can see your whole back plate. Maybe a dangler, Darren. I could probably mm-hmm. use a dangler. So there's a lot of things. It's, uh, it's just a great place to hang out. Go shopping, folks. You guys should both get danglers. Yeah, and inner neck guards too. But we have those because they look after your neck and your collarbone. Yeah, and you guys wear them because it looks after your collarbone. If it was just the neck guard, you probably wouldn't. You guys are so. Ugh. Now I'm gonna. Now get I would. Nope. Nope. No, no, now I would. Now easy I would. I'm there, finally waking up. Easy, easy there, Grinchy Darren. It's okay. No, I'm just sad. Hey, on, on a positive, and I'm I'm looking at this, and Linus Allmark and Jeremy Swayman won the Jennings Trophy and the Vesna last year, and it feels like around the league, they're getting more respect this year for their start. That doesn't make much sense, but. That's the vibe I'm getting, Woody. Well, I mean, doesn't make much sense that they're actually better as a team after losing their top two centers, including one of the greatest defensive centers. And a guy I think we all thought was the consciousness of that defensive effort that became a staple in Boston and Patrice Bergeron. And so, you know, the focus shifts and the goaltenders have been incredible. Like Swayman's on an absolute heater, leads the league in, in all the adjusted numbers as well as in raw save percentage. And Linus Allmark's not far behind. Like, what a great one-two punch. And I'm telling you, like, it's still so fun. Obviously, we've we've talked to them. We've had them on about the, how genuine that relationship is and how much they cheer for each other. Like, in the era of tandems, they're the ultimate tandem right now, both from a performance perspective 
but also in terms of the relationship they have and how they feed off each other and fuel each other. It's really fun to watch. Hutch, you getting the same opinion? Not about their relationship, but about the performance? Well, I, I, I think Sway probably feels warm and fuzzy when he's hanging out with uh, with Allmark, and I don't think anybody thinks that's creepy. But uh, no, I do. And, and I think probably last year, um, may, maybe unfairly, but understandably, people probably discounted their performance. Oh, they're on one of the best teams of all time. They're on a team with great structure. They're on a team with all these stars. People love, not us goalies, but other people love to sort of discount the work that the goaltenders are doing in a really good environment. Uh, but I think it's awesome for these guys to have that contrast now, because as Woody talked about, what a big shift in the team this year. And for the performance to continue really highlights what these guys are doing. And I think the other thing is like, don't forget for all those sort of narrative sort of thoughts about how, where this team was relative to the way they defended when we did our year end, and I think we unlocked it so anybody can read it at ingoldmag.com. Oh, the Vesna, uh, the Vesna yeah. article using ClearSight analytic numbers, like Linus Allmark, relative to that environment, was still the best goalie in the league by a wide margin. Like his adjusted save percentage was incredible. So full value to him for the Vesna last year. Uh, the only question is going to be like they're almost in an even split right now. So there's sort of two parter here. One, you know, if Swayman's slightly ahead statistically, could he win the Vesna this year? How many? What's the minimum starts you would need to get to get that opportunity? And two, do we see this continue in the playoffs? Last year they didn't, and so Linus, who had not played a bunch of games in a short period of time all year because of the tandem nature, was thrust into a bunch of games in a short order. Would we see more of a split in the postseason? Something you know I have advocated for for years. If you're going to use it during the year, use it during the playoffs. So. I know I'm jumping ahead of myself. We're supposed to stay in the moment as goaltenders, and I'm looking ahead to April. But um, the success they're having brings a lot of questions, too. And, and, you know, not negative questions. I'm curious. I'm really curious to see how this pans out. I'm sure they'll take a whole season to answer those questions. I want to know now, damn it. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to get it through my head that a team could win consecutive Jennings trophies and back-to-back Vesna trophies, but the latter with two different goalies kind of it's kind of like when no chance that's ever happened it's kind of like when daniel sedin should have won the Hart trophy instead of Corey perry I was exactly thinking and of it them. would have been consecutive Hart trophies for the vancouver canucks with different twin brothers right yeah just uh, bizarre and as crazy and uh unprecedented as it is or would be it could happen like it's it's set up it for could, for sure. And for everybody who is scrolling through the archives now trying to find a case where that has happened, if it has, remember, it probably happened in that era where the Vesna Trophy winner was essentially what the Jennings Trophy is now. It was simply handed yeah. to the team that had the lowest goals against for the year. Very different now. You old school guy. Well, not as I old as you. I love it when our historian steps in. Well, I, I'm old and I remember those things, but you could probably list off all the names in order of who won the Vesna <laughs> from day one. So here I am, the young guy stuck with a couple old farts. Isn't it good? Like he's just <laughs> hello, pops. We haven't called him dad in, in a while. Uh, I don't know whether there's enough runway, but maybe there is for Andre Vasilevsky to get his name in this mix. Oh, there's it lots of runway. Looks like he is on the horizon here around Thanksgiving. And I think we said this at the time, wouldn't be surprised if he's on the shorter end of the timeline that was given. And yeah, I mean, 
the end of the day, you're going to be cautious because it was surgery and it's a back and it's a disc. And if there's one thing I learned by having the same procedure, a discectomy, is that they warn you if you don't take care of it, you know, it can sort of the pressure on on the discs can go up the chain and you can have other problems. But I think we know that Andre Vasilevsky is going to take care of the things he needs to take care of. I mean, he's just an absolute specimen. And yeah, I, Darren, there's lots of runway. We just talked about could Jeremy win a, a Vesna trophy following Linus. Even though he may, they're probably going to have pretty similar to an even split. You know, like games played, Vasi, there's plenty of opportunity for him to get enough games played to get into this mix, especially considering the workhorse that he is. There you go. Hutch, there's runway left. Oh, there's tons, of, there's tons of runway left. And, and we've talked before as well about uh, recency bias. And, and it may be ahead of us right now, but when the voting time comes, there's lots of opportunity there as they look back to what he's done in the last few months of the season. A couple other notes. Uh, Pavel Francouz has gone home. He will not play this year uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. And Charlie Lindgren is on a heater. Uh, just a couple of notes there that I'd love to uh, acknowledge. Well, and I really feel for Pavel. Um, this is, I think, two times in the last three seasons. He's basically missed the entire season. I think it was double hip surgery a couple of years ago. Guy's a hell of a goalie. Um, and just at this point right now, it feels like his body's letting him down a little bit. And that's a tough break for the Avs, too. They obviously went out and got uh, uh, Ivan Prozvitov from, from Arizona off waivers. Uh, but I just like, I'm a big Pavel Francouz guy. Always have been. Loved his game right from when he came over. Thought he was a really good find for the Avs. And so you just hope that whatever it is that's preventing him from playing this year is something that he can solve because. Uh, I really enjoyed watching him play. His edge work and, and his patience uh, was, a, was a real treat. And Charlie Lindgren, I'm going to pat myself on the back. Not to put any pressure on you, Charlie, but I believe I called that the best offseason signing of 2022 when Washington signed him for three years at $1.3 And he is absolutely making it look like a bargain right now. Charlie Lindgren. Pavel Francouz, and then we get into our pro rates, which is up on Angola. And there's a couple of great ones. The, the Matt Murray, knowing where deflection is going to send the puck by the sound, that, that thing's wild. And Dustin Wolf doing some, some twirling out there. Okay, here's, there's two things in the Matt Murray one. One, yes, like, like that's the first thing that jumped out. Like You can actually hear a deflection and know whether it's far side or short side based on how it sounds. And that makes the obvious tease. Like, that's what we're going to tease on our socials. That's what we're going to promote. But the reality is, that is about one minute of nine minutes of absolute brilliance from Matt Murray. He told us before his first pro reads that he's a goalie. He felt like, like he has size, but he doesn't have the athleticism as maybe some of his peers. And here's a two-time cup winner saying, my reads are my difference maker. and his reads, the way he walks us through them in these videos, um, there are not many that have been better in terms of sharing and analyzing the information a goalie processes at the highest level to make you know, depth decisions, save selection decisions, um, movement decisions. And he continues it with this one on deflections. Like the, the sound and the deflection, like there's other elements on how to read that deflection, where the lower hand is. Um, then it goes into a net play scenario, and he identifies keys for goalies in each element of those stance, three stance system with a play coming off the wall to the point. Like he's just, 
It's like a how to goalie video. And for the second time in four, it's like nine minutes. He did nine minutes on, 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 on screens first, a couple more screens, and now another nine minutes. It's do not miss this pro reads from Matt Murray if you're an in goal premium subscriber. And I would argue if you're not, you should subscribe just for Matt Murray's pro reads. Never mind the nearly 200 other pro reads we have up there from 36 other goaltenders in the NHL. It's man, like. It makes me want to like. It, it sucks he's not playing this year because of the hip surgery, but it makes me want to have him back on to do more video. Hey Matt, you killing? You got some time to kill? We need to get you back on. Hundred percent, we should. I finished editing that one, Darren, and immediately sent it to the three goaltenders I work with uh, with the Nanaimo Clippers because there was content in that pro read for each of them on things that we'd been discussing that week, looking at their own video, and uh, it was sort of for me. It was a great. Well, if you don't believe me, they do believe me, but. You know, if you if you have any doubts, let's look at this NHL goaltender talking about the exact same thing in the exact same way. So it was uh, it was really great to be able to send that on. And uh, yeah, Kevin, for sure. Let's get let's get him back because he's uh, he, he's fantastic. Um, by the way, uh, you mentioned over 200 of the pro reads. Um, the Dustin Wolf article on edge work when it went up this week was the 1000th piece that we'd published at in goal uh, since we became in goal premium. So ton of pieces up there for people yeah and uh do we, do we that, have music do we have fireworks do we have yeah. anything can you edit that in we could we could try yeah and, and hey listen we should have fireworks every time we have a dustin wolf pro tip on right like i mean who better to learn from in terms of how to warm up your edges and that's what the the pro tip was on pro drills pro tips it was just dustin walking us through on video how he gets ready on a game day before he starts stopping pucks, like how he gets his feet and his edges and his body activated. And, you know, anybody's had a chance to watch him play two time AHL goalie of the year, two time WHL goalie of the year, CHL goalie of the year, like every basically for the last four years, he's been the top goalie in his league. Yeah. Everyone will tell you like that. That's his separator, his skating, his edge work is one of his one of the things that makes him so great. And so how kind of him to walk us through the drills he does to sort of feel those edges and get connected with those edges before he starts stopping pucks. So thanks to Dustin for that. And, you know, once again, like another reason to check out ingoalmag.com and become an Ingoal Premium member so you too can get those tips from some of the top pros in the game. Hey, I think that one was a great one uh, for parents to share with their young kids too, because I had this ex experience as a, as a goalie parent where they're getting some fairly basic stuff from coaches in practice at a fairly young age. And already they're saying, ah, oh, I know how to do that already. Why are we working on this? Here's some drills for edge work that you see a lot of coaches using, to be fair. Uh, and now you see a guy at the NHL level, as Kevin says, with all that pedigree, and he's using the kind of stuff that your coaches are probably working on right now with your young sons and daughters. And for for you to be able to reinforce that and say here, even at the highest level of the game, every day, every practice, he's working on these fundamentals to become a better goaltender. And I think that's gold for young kids to, to realize. Well, and speaking of that, like, don't don't forget, if you become an Ingle Premium member, you get access. You know, Hutch talked about our our 800 articles that we've published at Ingle Magazine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 800. Might have jumped the jumped the gun on the thousand. Well, there. like in U.S. dollars, that's a thousand pieces. That's like, yeah, 1100. Um, so. You can go back and on a similar theme, Carrie Price, Carter Hart, talking about the importance of crease movement patterns, right? Like I'm, I'm around the NHL on a, on a near daily basis. I watched Thatcher Demko warm up yesterday before he goes into his game day drills that he does with Ian Clark. What's he doing in the corner? He's doing crease movement patterns. Like 
the things that I think a lot of young goalies like, ah, I don't need to do that or I don't want to do that. These are the details that the guys at the top of the game work on on a daily basis. And it's just, it's nice to have that reminder and see them working on it and share their execution tips, um, whether it's Carey Price, whether it's Carter Hart, whether it's Dustin Wolf, and uh, probably good for young kids to do that too. So, a reminder just go search Carey Price on ingolmag.com and you'll see all the, all the articles we have from him. And a lot of them are back to basics because those are the fundamentals that allowed him to be one of the best. I don't know whether it's the warm and fuzziness, but you guys are riffing off each other. I like this. It's a lot of fun. This is what life is like with uh, Hutch and Woody. We just yammer about goaltending all the time. We don't actually get any work done, but at least today we can, we can call this work. This is good, right? We're actually being productive. Normally we just talk like this and it's uh, not actually Research productive. and development. R&D. Yeah, there we go. In-goal R&D offices. <laughs> a gear segment brought to you by The Hockey Shop, source for Sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Uh, coming up, I also want to tell everybody that James Wenland is standing by in the green room. Uh, we're going to go through or expand on the five damn things for the hips uh, as uh, and this is just uh, he he is infectious with his enthusiasm. I don't understand everything. I have to go back and, and listen to things a second time. I'm sure I'll have to do that again today uh, because it, there's that uh, that balance between the clinical side and there's the practical my brain, how it works. And I have to meld those two together. but. Uh, his ability to get you excited is unnatural. Well, speaking of excited, before we get to James, we got to go to the hockey shop, and I'm excited. You have to listen to this one twice, too. Not listen to it, but you got to make sure you check us out on YouTube and our socials so you can see the video as well, because while we share all the details about the new ritual, our V3i stick from Warrior in the audio... I think you're going to want to see the visuals on this one because, Darren, it is pretty. Yes. And how I know that, just a, just a little bit behind the curtain, I got the recording of the hockey shop visit. And at the end of it, the recording didn't go off right away. So I could hear some like follow-up conversation between you guys. And one of the first things that was mentioned was it was pretty. You guys are looking at each other going, really? What? We're, 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 the, we're, we're looking at each other because there are moments when some of the follow-up conversation really shouldn't be out there. So let's make sure we edit oh, no, that. No, 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 no. It was, it was the raw recording that I got sent to so I could listen so I know what we're, what we're going to talk about. Every now and then, I get a heads up to our interviews. Uh, James Wenland, not, uh, that's not the case today uh, because he's standing by in the green room. But uh, your visits uh, with the, with the uh, hockey shop are pre-recorded. So I get to listen to that. And then... It was just a, a perfect uh, segue. It was almost like the, the segment was continuing the way you're going, oh, that's pretty. And you guys were, were bantering back and forth uh, more about the uh, RV3i. It's a, it is a pretty stick. So let's, let's get, but let's get to camp so we can get the details, you know, what it weighs, how it feels, what the hell I stands for and how it feels in your hand. Cam's got all the details. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop. Source for Sports. Thank you. Goalie Utopia. I'm Kevin. I'm Cam. And we've got the new Warrior Ritual V3i. Now, I got to be honest with you, Cam. I'm going to need you to explain this a little later. Yes. We're going to get into the features of this gorgeous new stick from Warrior, uh, including performance bonus. Like, you were giddy to talk about this stick after having used it. So, obviously, you like how it plays. Yes. But first of all, with all due respect, the different 
nomenclatures, price points, it's getting a little busy when it comes to keeping track of the SKUs here when I'm trying to figure out what, so RV3I, ritual, yes. V3, yes, and I. Yes. Walk me through the different components of where this fits price point and what those mean. So the V series sticks continues off of the old C series sticks that made Warrior super popular um, in terms of further um, carbon sticks into the NHL. Um, so V will be their more rigid. M is their flexier stick, so that's the whippier of the two sticks. So there is an M3I, which we have talked about previously. Um, that is the lower kick point. Very easy to get some weight behind and flex into the stick. So V is the more rigid line. V is the more rigid, which the stick is. Three is the third version of it. Correct. And the I. Now stands for the innovation side when we're going into this overall tapered chin. See, now that makes perfect sense. Asymmetrical. I am easily confused. You've explained it to me. Now people can understand when they see the different lines. So when we get a V3, I should probably save this for the end. Does that mean there's a V2 on sale? Yeah. yeah. I can't. Cart before the horse, folks. <laughs> Cart before the horse. Ritual V3I. Yes. Other than being a really good looking stick. Walk me through the performance features. Okay, so let's go straight to the big call out beforehand, right onto the shaft. So. The way Warrior has designed this with their asymmetrical shaft, no flat points along. So that's one of the weaker points of goal sticks in general. You have that kind of rectangle shaft. There's always that flat point that the puck can hit. That's usually where you'll have the chance of that puck hitting, cracking the stick. You can go play. That's when you snap it in half or the puck actually takes out, you know, a quarter of your stick off the shaft. Do you know what we call those flat points? What's that? Edges. Hey, there we Corners. go. Corners. Corners. Look at me, I got the good words today. So with having that rounded uh, geometry here, we're creating a better surface for that puck to hit. Durability. No. Exactly. But also, it also feels nice. Exactly. And now when I go to go bring my glove in to go play that puck, that glove will slot in there nice and easily, allowing me to get very, very good control and great torque behind this stick as well. So you're telling me that it makes you want to play the puck more? Yes. So my beer league team won't let me use this stick. Maybe not. They don't like it when I do that. I tend to suck. Mid kick point, stiff stick once again. So much stiffer than the M series, which does have that certain whip quality to it. Now, personally speaking, I find that because of that stiffness, I just put a little bit and then this puck will rock it off of this stick. I really, really like the way this uh, plays the puck uh, and how shots come off this stick as well. In terms of shots coming in and deflection wise, because of that rigidity, it has great pop in terms of sending that down to the corners. Uh, one of the things you that. You know, the really good goalie send it over the boards and into out of play. <laughs> yeah, this can do that. Okay. Well, Almost talk, do it for you. You've talked about putting it into the corners, but I mean, I guess. Well, you know, I like, you know, so my defenseman can go pick it up. So it allows that controllability for those people that would like to keep the play going at that certain time. No, it's okay. I said really good goalies, and that obviously doesn't include you. Yeah, really great goalie. Anyways, ah. so turns it with this overall feel wise, one of the other things that I noticed in terms of that rebound pop, when that vibration comes through the stick, because they continue to use their Vibex technology, which is the gel layering as they're layering the carbon into the stick. So the vibration comes up the stick and it dissipates in the handle thanks to the Vibex technology. No, it's all the way throughout the stick. Oh, it's different. Yes. Now. Uh, well, no, that's not the same as it always has been. So Vibex, again, it, as they're layering the actual stick it's itself. It's been a while since I've ever sent us a stick. I didn't know. 
as you're laying the stick, that gelarian goes in, that helps to reduce that vibration so it's not going to want to bounce out of your hand. A little bit, it, it's light, mm -hmm. but the weight is a little bit more towards, obviously we've got the thin shaft. Correct. A little more bottom weighted. You yes. feel this one, like if, you, if I pick this up off the rack, it feels so light right now, but we just had a different stick in our hands that felt lighter. But in terms of playing, you're not going to notice it. No, I find it more so, again, weighted down towards the blade, which I like because that's helping me as a good finding point for where I am with the stick. Thing is, as we chase weight, the hovering that a stick can do starts to get increased depending on where you tape the stick, how you tape it, and things like that. But that said, I find that this one wants to go drift back down towards the blade, which again, helps me center myself and figure out you know, where I am and what's going on. It's a good thing to center yourself in life and in hockey. Cam? If they got more information about all the lines, including the sale prices on past editions. On V26. V, V2 sticks? Yes. Okay. They said V26. I thought we had a whole other line in nomenclature. No. Give me a call. 604-589-8299-1-800-567-7790. Check us out at thehockeyshop.com. That's where you can see all those sticks up. Uh, wonderful sale prices. And I'm going to have to take this away from Kevin because he keeps looking at the shiny part. So, squirrel. We'll see you again. Thank you for the start of that, telling me or asking Cam to explain what RV3I stands for. And then it's subsequently, I got uh, a lesson in the other terminology that they use in their sticks and the different uh, brand levels. Yeah, no, but at the end of the day, the terminology that matters the most is it's pretty. <laughs> it really is a pretty thing. Like, it's a good looking twig, Darren. And it's got that eye for that that the the uh the new handle. Feels so good in the hands. I love what they've done with the the texturing and the contouring there in the hands. Um and then weight. I think we teased it there. We hadn't measured yet. Again, it'll be in the video. You'll see us weigh it. 1.4 pounds. So um it's a little because of the eye. Because of the thinner shaft, it's a little bottom heavy. Like it feels a little more bottom heavy than other sticks. But as as I think Cam explains at some point, I'm not sure if it's in there or in the video. Um, like that's not a bad thing because you want your stick sort of hanging down out of your hand. So uh, I mean, if you're if you're like, oh, it feels heavy in the bottom. Like, hey, guess what, bud? It's 1.4 pounds. That ain't heavy. Who hasn't felt heavy in the bottom? <laughs> well, <laughs> Christmas is coming up. I'll feel a lot heavier in the bottom once we get through that season. Okay. I, am I a nerd? I'm, and I'm glad that you just said that because my follow-up was going to be, do you not want the goalie stick to feel a little bot bottom heavy as a netminder? That was kind of Cam's maybe, theory. Maybe I'm a wacko here. I think it makes sense. Stick on the ice, baby. It's got to be a personal yeah. preference thing, but... Yeah. Like, to be perfectly balanced, I I, I don't mind having it just a little bit... Uh, wait, you don't, you don't want... Uh, it. There used to be a thing called stick saver back in the day. It was this uh, rubber thing that you would tape onto your stick, yep. and it would save your sticks uh, through practice. And you, when you come from a budget-conscious family, like I did, uh, you, you use these things. And they those were heavy. Those were bottom-heavy. Like you, you couldn't shoot, and you, could, you you never got your blade off the ice. So um, that that that's a little different than, than what we're, what we're talking about. Who was calling now. me old earlier, Darren? I know. Well, you you were talking knowledge. I'm talking about like just stupid things. You're talking about a guy from, who used from, to from carve his stick out of the tree in the backyard. So, yeah, you're pretty old. You know what? Trying to find a left-handed curve in some of those oak trees 
because they curve, they they bend towards with with the wind. And if you're in the wrong place, the wind, you're never going to get a left hand. Well, yeah, curve you stick. should have lived in the north end of Brandon and not the south end. <laughs> oh, hey, east end, baby. Oh, okay. Under the water tower. Sorry, where the tough Sorry. people live. I haven't been to where Brandon. The I haven't had the pleasure. Um, oh, we've got James Wenland. Uh, can you uh, buzz uh, over and uh, get him to to make his way here? I'm on uh, it, Woody. And this this is just I can't wait to hear this on the heels of. Five damn things. Uh, how you guys will follow up and get more down this path with uh, mobility? Yeah, and it's uh, top one. I don't even know how to introduce this one, right? It like, really is. It yeah, really but, is. But I think before we do, we should probably talk about Sense Arena. Yeah, talk about a game changer in James Wendland. How about a game changer in Sense Arena? I have been working in the new release of Sense Arena. I mentioned last week that I'd be chatting with our friends at Sense Arena. Uh, which I, I did this week. We've had some really good conversations about uh, some things coming down the pipe. And I got to mess around in the new system and just blew my mind um, to think about what a game changer sense arena was when it first came out compared to what else can you do off the ice to improve um, your game. This is that big a leap from what sense arena used to be to what it is today. The really? whole user interface, yeah, no, honestly, Darren, like the whole user interface has changed completely. They have this affiliation with the National Hockey League. So now you walk in there and you're standing in your dressing room. You get to select which team you're a part of. Um, making saves out on that practice rink and seeing the individual puck marks as you're making saves, um, the ability to face those NHL shooters. Like I know all those things were we're there to an extent, but they've now wrapped it up in a way that just makes it so easy to use, so engaging to use. Um, access to the information that's in front of you is so logical and clear. Uh, I was, at, I mean, literally uh, in the middle of the night, I was in my office uh, on my knees making saves and and just loving every minute of it as if I'd put that headset on for the first time when I when I first used Sense Arena. So. An absolutely engaging tool that allows you, as we've said many times, to face incredible shooters, to face set plays and learn reads, to training programs, whether it's USA Hockey or top coaches like Eli Wilson, Bill Ranford, Maria Mountain has something in there. Little teaser might be an in-goal one coming one day soon. Um, lots of just incredible stuff in there. You could just use it all the time. And I think that's the cool thing because we don't have access to ice all the time. And now you've got access to goaltending all the time. Easy on your body, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. Now you can compete with friends. That's something we need to be doing because we used to joke about getting on there and see who could do the best. Well, now we can actually get the headsets on together and compete against each other. So if you like that sort of gamified way of engaging a little bit more. I know it's a serious tool, but now it's a really fun and serious tool. So do check out the new release of Sensorina. Head over to Sensorina.com. Use the code IGM50. They got a fantastic deal going on right now. And uh, and if you've got the Oculus headset, you can get a seven-day trial and see exactly what I'm talking about right now. It's a game changer, guys. Now, bring it on in terms of competing. You guys are on dust, you guys. Maybe not Darren. He faces NHL shooters yep, all the time. You are oh, dusty. Oh, oh, um, hold but on. I saw... will, will you guys commit to do this? Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll get to this app. Will, will, will you commit to doing it? I will commit it? to doing it. I will commit. I'm looking at my Sense Arena right now, but I'm looking at the Sense Arena carrying case. 
right? The like Pelican style briefcase. And guess like the timing here is perfect. Because guess what I saw last night after the Seattle Kraken defeated the Vancouver Canucks is Joey Decord and Philip Grubauer pack up their bags. The last thing that goes into the top of Joey Decord's travel bag, his his big goalie bag, is the Sense Arena case. And so it was kind of cool to see that. And as, as we were talking to Jordan Eberle at the time while the goalies were packing up, I looked over my shoulder and there's Joey and the equipment guys putting in his Sense Arena uh, box into his equipment bag. And I just looked over and smiled. I'm like, oh yeah, Sense Arena's got to be in there every time. He's like, he uses it all the time. I'll share a little story here because he gave me permission to and he shared it with me and it'll be in an article soon. Joey actually used it between periods this year when he wasn't feeling, was not feeling sharp on the glove side. Put on his Sense Arena headset in between periods. Pro, just went into one of his programs that just fires at the glove side. Made a bunch of saves. Felt reconnected visually and with his hands on the glove side. Went out and played great. Like just felt better about his glove hand. So um, yes, it is now NHL Sense Arena, and you can go to NHL rinks and be inside the locker room and be inside the rinks as you're making these virtual reality saves. But the reality is, Sense Arena has already been in the NHL for years with goalies like Joey Decord and Devin Levi and Eric Comrie. I am shocked that he used it between periods, but very impressed and happy for him. And I think it's an amazing tool. But in a sport that is considered very conservative on yes. how you do things, yes, I would have thought that that would have been met with uh, a certain uh number of eyebrows raised or what are you doing type thing so i i think that that is great to hear i think it tells you a lot about his character uh to yeah. be able to do that because he don't don't forget he's also a young guy in the national hockey hey, league. and he's playing great like back that up came out and played great and, and he is playing great so um look for it look for more from that interview and that conversation with joey in the very near future at ingolmag.com okay are you willing to buy in to the in goal competition okay i mean between the three I'm of in. us Hey, listen, I can't stop pucks for real, so I definitely should be working on my game this way. Because you're the holdout. Hutch and I... I'm a busy like, guy. We hang out all the time. You're the holdout. Okay. He okay. just talks a big game. He's a chicken. Come in. You heard it. It, it has to happen in the, in the next week. I better see something from you, or we got to set up some kind of competition. Uh, Hutch, you're the brains behind this. But we will do the work. We need Woody to be involved. Okay. get on board. I'm in. You've heard. I've, I can't come in any more publicly than I just did. I mean, the nice thing is every drill you do and every variation of the drill has a different ranking chart showing your scores. And so there I was in the wee small hours picking some obscure combination of drill, number of reps, time, uh, velocity of puck. And um, I topped the charts just ahead of Joey Decord on this one particular drill. I was pretty proud of myself. At a point. What, turning it on? <laughs> no, it was, it was, I think it's just that I did more reps than him, so I got to make more saves. It was getting hit in the gut. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, total saves. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, but you whatever just, it is, do, I got do, ahead of Joey. So, so uh, Joey, if you want to hop in on this competition, you can join the three of us. That would be cool. Yeah. Go down that path. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really impressed that he would do that in, in our sport. And of so, course, uh, like, like just one last thing, you can follow his program, the one that he uses to get ready to play on game days. It's there in Sense Arena for other people to download and, and use. All right. He's here. Uh, James Wenlin has arrived. Uh, do you want to uh, introduce him uh, before we get into this conversation that the two of you 
had with the author of Five Damn Things. Yeah, like if you listen to the interview uh, near the beginning, James will actually tell you uh, his full professional background. We asked him to introduce himself to everybody. So rather than us butcher that side of it, we'll let James do his. I think the best way to introduce him, um, honestly, is just my experience of first meeting him. When uh, we were up training in the Okanagan this summer uh, with Lyle Mast, he said, hey, I, I really think you might want to go meet this guy because he's a game changer for people. And he t actually told me a story. I hope Lyle doesn't mind me sharing this little piece, but Lyle had a, a back problem um, so bad that he could barely get in and out of his car. He went and saw James. James did some of the work that you'll hear described here with him. And in one session, his uh, his back was better. And, and Lyle said to him, um, so when do you want me to come back? And James is like, well, why? Do you want to buy me a cup of coffee or something? He said, no, no, no. Like I go to my physiotherapist and they want to see me every week for the next two months. And he's like, well, why? I fixed you. You're good. And and then had a similar experience with my son who'd been having an issue. And, and again, James fixed it and absolutely shocked him how quickly he fixed it. So that was my experience. He also gives you the work to do at home so that you continue to maintain it. Like simple things like five damn things that allow you to ensure you don't... Whatever's causing and leading to the initial problem, you're resetting on a regular basis. You, you can fix yourself. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so we went through all this and it led it's led us down this road of the five damn things that we filmed and published it in goal. And then we f did the five damn things for the feet uh, with Kristen Campbell showing it. And uh, Woody's dog has now joined us. So we have a new member of the in goal team. That's awesome. And, uh, and so we've had this evolution. And then finally, we got to sit down here on the podcast and get it all in a, in a, I'd say a more formal way from where James comes from to the techniques that he employs to how it affects you as a goaltender to guys, he thinks that a lot of the work that he's doing can actually prevent a lot of these hip problems that goaltenders are having. Some really, really simple work. So we've gone from this, it's going to kind of blow your mind to having that experience of blowing our minds to sharing some of the stuff quick and dirty for the Ingol audience to now this long formal sit down uh, that we're going to be having today so he can share all his, his, uh, his experience with us. And this is one where you want to pull the notebook out, you want to take some notes, you want to stand up as he's walking us through some of these things and try them. And then you probably want to go back and check out those videos at Ingol again, even if you've watched them before, because I promise you, every time you listen to him, every time you watch him, you learn a little bit more uh, to add to your toolkit as a goaltender. I just think it's incredible stuff. Uh, it's pretty high level stuff, even though we've done everything we can to to rein James in because he's so intelligent and so experienced. But I just think it's awesome stuff, and you got to experience some time with James. Yeah, you you got to dumb it down a little bit, and I'm looking forward to the two of you as experts. Well, you put in us into something, and you got two dummies, so we dumbed it down. Yeah, like if if you guys are going to understand it, that's good for the for the rest of us. And and I to totally. There's tongue-in-cheek there, but I also love the fact that you're so naturally curious that you want to be able to grasp onto it to the to the level that you can use it. And if if there's questions about you guys implementing it, you're going to follow up that if you're not uh, fully um, digesting the, the knowledge. So this is James Wenland. Uh, we're going to uh, bring him in now. Uh, James, uh, thank you. Just uh, grab the microphone there. Uh, as we bring in the Sensorina, Sensorina VR, NHL Sensorina VR feature interview on InGoal Radio, the podcast with, I'll let you guys take this, David and Kevin. 
pleased to welcome to the In Goal Radio podcast, but not first time at In Goal Magazine. You've read him on the site, Five Damn Things, James Wenland. Thank you much for thank you very much for joining us. After I, sh- I think we should like thank you very much for the work you've done, sharing some adjustments and some hip exercises with goalies. We've got nothing but great feedbacks. So we're like, let's get them on the podcast so that we can talk about some of these things. I'm not even sure where to start. I'm trying to think, well, how do you... Your passion for this and helping goaltenders in terms of how they manage their bodies. First off, walk me through sort of how you came into the goalie world and what sparks that passion now. Well, the goalie world is something that uh, I kind of got dragged into is what I'll honestly say. So, I mean, I've been a therapist for, uh, I'm on my 24th year of practice now and I'm gone through a bunch of different education and I was always in hockey, um, working with skaters uh, predominantly, never really a goalie, goalie specialist. And then from the osteopathic lens, when you started looking at goaltenders and their alignments and I started reading things like, oh, the butterfly damages or hurts goaltenders um, or this is too challenging for them. I'm like, well, no, a lack of internal rotation can hurt a goaltender. So then I started looking at the alignments for goaltenders and, and the positional demands. Um, and it just seemed like such a natural fit for me to kind of waltz into this arena and uh, start working with players. Should we maybe clarify first, what is your specialty and what's your approach? Because you mentioned the osteopathic lens there. So let's just maybe expand sure. on that a bit. So I'm a manual osteopathic therapist, um, formal education, undergrad kinesiology, graduate work in exercise phys, respiratory phys. And then I went on and did my manual osteopathy afterwards. So osteopathy, we view the body as a whole unit. So we come at it from a a geodesic dome model, which is kind of like a dome tent. We're always looking for uh, root causes. We don't chase symptoms. Um, So somebody can come in and say, I've got a sore right shoulder. Um, And a lot of, well, some therapists out there will run and just look at the right shoulder right away. Um, Or if you step back and you have that little C curiosity, um, you kind of dive into it because a right sore shoulder could be, it could be a liver issue. It could be just lats or, or tensioning because of a, an issue on the left hip. Um, or it could just be the scapular mechanics are off and it's driving an issue there. So we start looking at the body as a whole. We start using the word tensegrity, which is just how the pulleys, the levers, and then all the joints and bones and muscles work together. And we just try and find what the root cause actually is. And then the sort of work that you would do with a goaltender in general, what makes it different from working with a chiropractor or a physiotherapist or what's, well, what's I'm hands on, like? I'm hands on one-on-one. My hands are my modality that I treat with. Um, so I spend minimum an hour, most of the time an hour and a half with a, with a, with a goalie. Uh, and in that time frame, I'll walk through their entire body. I start with fascial slings. I, I look at joint mechanics. I look for limitations in range of motions where there's blocks in the joint um, from there, then I proceed through the lens of muscle energy techniques to loosen things up before I ever, ever do a, a special articulating technique on a bone. Um, and once I'm ready to do all that, I walk through and I correct all the dysfunctions or what we call lesions. Um, and then once a player is sort of back to homeostasis where hips are set, neck set, uh, gaze is correct, I then proceed into some somatic sensory work, which is I bring out the rocker boards, different balance toys, uh, different uh, gaze or visual trainers. Um, that that block uh, peripheral or, or, or lower vision to help resynapticize the brain to the new alignments. And that's what makes it sticky. Um, you always want what's called a sticky treatment. You want something where you're only going to see the player three to five times. You teach them the why and they're off to the races. and They don't need you anymore. Ultimately, as a manual osteo, we try and make ourselves unemployable. Muscle energy technique. I just want to, because anybody that saw it on ingolmag.com and of course the podcast is free, 
The subscription to that is not. So not everyone who's hearing this will have... If you don't subscribe, go watch it. But you explained it when you were doing the five damn things for hips. And we've had we've had professional goaltenders like James Reimer share just how much that routine changed his sort of getting ready for games and how often he uses it. Kristen Campbell said the same thing in terms of freeing up the hips before they hit the ice. Part of it is muscle and muscle energy technique. Just for those people listening that haven't seen it, can you just quickly explain that? Sure. Uh, muscle energy is we're playing with neurology. We're playing with your brain. So you have to understand your central nervous system, which is you and your peripheral nervous system, which is you is constantly monitoring, detecting every single thing in your body. And when it comes down to muscle energy technique, we're going after muscle spindles, which detect stretch in a muscle belly and cause it to shorten when the stretch is too large. Then we also go after Golgi tendon organs or GTOs, which detect stretch in the musculotendinous junction and cause the muscles that producing the stretch to relax. And through muscle energy techniques, um, we're able to reset the muscle spindles to actually get the full range of motion back. You always have the range of motion you're born with unless you're 80 and fibrotic. Outside of that, it's just your neurology's in the way. So it makes no sense to try and adjust a bone until you've actually dealt with the tensioning that's on it. And this is where we go to sort of the geodesic dome model. If you imagine a player as a dome tent, you've just gone camping. We pull the poles out of the bag. We assemble the poles of the dome tent. We put them on the ground. They ain't doing a damn thing on the ground, right? They're just poles. That's like the bones in your body. They don't do anything, right? But the second I take that pole and I slide it inside the fabric of the dome tent, which would be your muscles, your fascia, your connective tissue. Now they're applying tension because tension's being applied to them. So in our world as a manual osteo, we call the bones discontinuous tension because they do not act on their own. If a bone is out, there's a reason it's out. So I can snap the bone back in, but that's the symptom. It isn't the root cause of the mechanism. So if we imagine the fabric as your muscles and fascia, we're always looking for what, why is that tensioning and pulling that out? So take the groin, for instance. A lot of goalies will have a tight groin. A lot of the times that tight groin is basically they have, a, they have a rotated iliac crest on one side, which causes the, the joint at the front of the pelvic girdle, it's called your pubic symphysis joint, to slightly upshift and displace. So the, the adductors on the side that's displaced will tighten and tension down so the groin will feel tight. Well, if I just loosen the adductors, and I mean, this happened to an NHLer of mine down south last year. The, he was IMS'd on the adductors and it made it actually worse because once they turned the adductors off, that pubic symphysis joint popped up even higher and you couldn't even walk, right? So they were tensioning, trying to hold this. If I just reset the anominate and I use a shotgun technique to pop in the pubic symphysis joint, the groin turns off, it stops, right? And you add in some muscle energy, and I know those are lots of big words, but you add in some muscle energy technique and then it never comes back. Which muscle energy, te muscle energy technique, really easy for everyone else to say but me today. That is? Ah, so you uh, get, bring a person to what's called feather barrier. Feather barrier is the first point where you feel resistance. They don't in even, a stretch. In a stretch. So they don't even perceive a stretch yet. They're not feeling the muscle spindle. As a therapist, you're actually feeling their central nervous system give you a light block and saying, hey, I'm a little uncomfortable. And from that position, they only apply a 10 to maximum 20% effort against resistance. And you hold so this. they're pushing against They're pushing that against, the, uh, against that position. You're just blocking it. You're not actually pushing back. You're just holding the joint angle. They're applying that 10 to 20% effort. Some books will say six, some say 10. It depends upon uh, the, what, what's showing up in the tissues. Uh, you, you hold it for that, and then you relax. You have to cycle the joint, which means you move with your range of motion, and then you come back in again um, to the new feather barrier. And the feather barrier will reset. You'll find that the range gets better. And you can do that three to five times, and then you've kind of maxed out the neurology that you're going to get in that session.
And then, as we said in the five damn things for hips, for example, there's five different stretches that you get into. You can do it yourself with a towel, and then you're pushing against it in different directions. And it just like forget all the words, the big words. At the end of the day, as a goalie, you just feel, I cannot believe how much more range of motion. And we tested it here, like just how much internal rotation is opened up by doing it. So, I guess the takeaway here is, and it goes right back to that player you're talking about tight groin, stretching your groin isn't necessarily the answer. And in that case, even IMS to release what was perceived to be tight, again, not necessarily going to fix the problem. So that bears a question. Common injury like like a, a groin tightness that we're talking about there. If somebody doesn't have access to you or somebody who is versed in osteopathy, what should they be doing? First off, you want to stand in front of the mirror and take a good hard look at your hips. Have your, your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife stand behind you or kneel behind you and place their hands into the side of your body and down onto the bones, which is your iliac crest. Which we would call like the top of our hip bone. The top of your hip bone, yeah. It's iliac crest, hip bone. You push down onto that and you look and most of the time, I'm going to say 95%, you're going to see one side's higher than the other. So that person's head, that's just a nice way of, if you st- if I stand there and look at the mirror, I'm not going to see it. But if somebody puts their hands there, it'll be obvious that one side's higher. It'll be higher. obvious that one side's higher. And the side that's higher is going to typically line up with the, the groin that's tighter because it's trying to tension. Because when that hip bone rotates forward, hamstrings tension and then to hold it down, and then the groin tensions to hold the pubic symphysis joint. So you notice you get less hamstring range of motion, less groin range of motion on the affected side. Right? And then what happens is then you'll get a sacral torsion where the, the bone at the back of your pelvic girdle will then rotate. Sometimes it happens first and then the hip goes. Sometimes the hip goes and the sacrum goes. But once the sacrum torsions, then you can't walk. You got pain in one very specific spot in your low back. Um, every time you bend over, every time you try and lean or pick something up, it hurts. You go to put on socks and it's, it's a chore. And it's super easy to correct it. I was just going to say, and that's another thing that we've so, seen so, is correctable. Hmm. So we've left them hanging a bit, though. We've said, take a look. Now you see that your hips are a little out of line. They don't have access to you. What are they going to do? Uh, you go back to the five damn things. Five damn things for the hips. Uh, you put the yoga block underneath that, that ischial tuberosity or underneath the butt cheek that's affected because uh, you're blocking the ischial tuberosity. Bring the knee up towards the chest, the feather barrier, and they just push back against the resistance of the parent, the, the mom, the dad, the husband, the wife, who's just blocking it three to five times, six to ten seconds, reassess, and you're going to see it's level. It's that easy. You don't need to pay a bunch of therapy bills. It just, you know, ultimately, if we follow the mentality of each one teach one, we're all going to get better in the sport. The thing that was remarkable to me with the the demonstration goalie for the five damn things uh was not just that he felt better after everything he said he felt more powerful too yep well because you lose you can't you can't get into that inside toe edge the second you lose internal rotation you can't get to your toe edge which means your power band you have to get your kneecap or patella inside your big toe to really drive in that glute so if you if you're lacking internal rotation you can't push and the other thing you can't do is you can't really close off the big toe which means when a goalie goes to go post to post they're going to arc and the second you arc in the net, your eyes is you're trying to track a puck on two planes of motion versus just one. So when you say arc and you're demonstrating for us right now, the goaltender is elevating. There, yeah, their head comes down. up and elevates as they yeah. go across and comes back down. Whereas his other players, the and you know, not anyone I work with, but just watching like Vasilevsky, he moves straight lateral. Straight lateral. You watch his toe edge, he's clean. He and his head stays in one plane and he can track that puck so easily because of it. Sorry, you said toe edge? Yes. So just, getting just the, define that for us for anybody that's hearing that and maybe not seeing it in their mind. Okay, so just getting on that inside edge of your skate, okay. right? So for goaltender, inside edge, right? They're going to be pushing the toe down more than the heel. 
If I push the heel, I unlock my the my foot, so I don't have a stable compliant lever. So if I'm pushing into the toe edge and I'm able to get in there, I lock out the tarsals of my foot and I activate my glute to its max potential. And then I can push and I can push straight lateral where my gaze is only working or having to work in one plane versus controlling two when I head bob up and down. So that up and down that arc, you can't, well, we know what it does in terms of being able to see the puck through that process. Well, there's it exactly that, impossible. but if your eyes come above the boards, well, behind the boards are dark and the puck happens to be dark too. So then you're just praying that it hits you in the chest. Well, and then, so this brings us to our second five damn things. And again, not to, not to push everything back to the website, but it, it's on there for those that are members can go watch it. How much should goalies be working? You talk about toe edges and feet and where we access power. Um, the second one is on you know exercises for the foot. How much should goalies be focusing on that? Because I'll be honest, I don't think a lot are. Well, I'll, I'll be blunt. How good of a goaltender do you want to be? Because if you ain't doing it daily, you're leaving, you're leaving money on the table in poker, right? This is something that's, you got to treat this like a job. I mean, you're, you're a goaltender. You're not a bodybuilder. You're not a skater, right? You're not a power forward. You're a goaltender. You're a spider monkey in the net. If you can't control your feet, if you don't know how to use that flexor extensor mechanism, which is pushing the big toe down, lifting the big toe up, so closing off inside edge, transitioning to outside edge, if you don't know how to activate that properly without having to think about it, then you're taking attention away from the ability to play the sport to actually have to engage the tissue because it's not autonomic. It's not automatic. So this brings me to another question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go off on it pull a thread here that i'm not sure we wanted to pull because we could be here for a long time but this is a curiosity thing we haven't we haven't touched on accessing the different part of the feet and being able to control that in skates where our feet are just crammed in and they're so tight like we've seen the sort of evolution of skates and some of them are looser and looser fitting in the bottom others are so tight that i don't know how much you could move things and wiggle things and access the toes should we be looking at designing skates differently? That's definitely a plausibility. But even in a tight skate, if you can't push down the base of the big toe, so the the the, ba- the end of the first metatarsal, which is the bottom of the big toe there. Metatarsal would be fancy metatarsal words Metatarsal is, a, is a, that's a fancy word. Yes. It's, a, it's the, the big bone in your foot. If you can't push that down inside your, your skate, you're not going to push onto your inside edge. So it doesn't matter how tight they are. You still have to be able to push that down to get that inside edge in, right? So working on those exercises, what it comes down to is, we're looking at motor programming and motor behavior ultimately. And what we're trying to do is make everything as subconscious as we can. So the more work we do off ice with the flexor extensor mechanism, the more stability work we do, the more gaze work we do. When you're on ice, you're actually freeing up capacity for attention. You're freeing up capacity to actually track a play, see a puck and not have to worry about these other finite details. Um, so it's, they go back to the word and the common word we see in hockey is vision. Oh, he's got great vision on the ice. So does he really have great vision or has he just trained it properly? So all of the motor programs required for that vision are automatic or autonomic. And that's where we go down to the neurology level where for a goalie, I don't care about the size of their biceps or their quadriceps, or if they're the Greek God Adonis, like some of the guys we've seen in the show. I care about the neurology. Can they access every bit of tissue they need to be a spider monkey? And if you can't do that, then there's potential you're not activating. There's potential for you to be better that you're not going to get to unless you do the homework daily. And you can get there. You can work. I think the point here too is if you're not already, you can work on it. This is not inherent. I either have this or I don't. Oh, not at all. No, this is something. So there's a guy on the show right now that got his first win that I was worked with all summer long. He was totally thankful. When he first came in, he was training like a dinosaur. He was training split squats with 100 pounds and 
all these other exercises that were blowing up his back. He couldn't even get on the on, on the ice with his skating coaches or his, or his gay stability coaches because he was in pain. He couldn't even stand on one foot. Right, a lot of skaters, goaltenders, skaters equally, they cheat with momentum. They can keep their balance on one foot when they're moving. Have them stand still and try and do it. They're going to fall over because they don't have that ability to lock out the foot. So with this this individual, I mean, in a period of three weeks, we dialed his neurology in, and it only takes three weeks to dial it. As long as you practice it three to four times a day or a week, sorry, for three weeks, you'll, you'll, you'll get the neurology to lock in, and then you have to touch it at least once a week, ideally twice, for 30 to 40 minutes in a session, and it stays. Your brain keeps it. It's the adage, if we don't use it, you lose it, right? And there's other goaltenders I've seen I'm sure a level guys that they didn't have a flexor. They didn't even, they couldn't even lift their big toe while keeping the other toes down. And, you know, one of them in particular just got it this summer after years of working on it. And he finally has it. Now, if you watch him in net, he's moving lateral and he's got a pretty good save percentage right now. Let's not offend anybody here because they just don't know any better. But I, from talking about spider monkeys and bodybuilders and so on, I would think you've got a different vision on how we should be training goaltenders so for the goalie coach out there who's listening right now or something what should they be doing off ice that's maybe different than what they're doing right now we have to start with the petitional demands so i mean i've taught strength and conditioning at the university level for years um you do a needs analysis so you look at the position right oh that's the demands analysis technically look at the position i break it down What's the demands analysis? And then from the demands, if you're okay, well, now I test the player and see what's his needs. Goalies are not anterior posterior movers. Very rarely are they coming out of the crease, running up the ice and running back. They're a lateral athlete. So if I'm training them in the gym and I'm having them do things like squats and deadlifts, well, those are anterior posterior movements, not lateral. What's the most common injury in a goaltender? Oh, adductors. Why? Because they don't train for the lateral plane. They're training like skaters. So do I have a different vision or a different lens? Yeah. In, in the gym, the strength to mass ratio has to match the positional demand. So that means how much weight can you push in relation to your body weight? You have to be at positional average. And once you're there for, for goaltending, not, not for skaters, once you're at positional average, then it's the neurology that matters after that. It's how well can you access that tissue? How well can you dial into that 20 muscle fibers in the foot that you need to activate for that one specific movement? And if you've got the neurology dialed, that's what they need to focus on. So balance, stability, proprioception, gaze. That's what matters the most for a goaltender. You want a bigger goaltender? Just get an extra big shirt underneath their pads. They'll be bigger. But if you make them heavier, you make them bigger by size, their strength to mass ratio goes down, then they're less powerful. So power to weight ratio. Exactly. Strength to mass. Strength to mass is power. That's king. Right? So when I look at goaltenders, it's more, and I'm going to be honest, most of them have the bodies they need to have to play the position. It's they lack the neurology. They lack the motor control. They lack the muscle recruitment. They lack the 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 ability to tension the specific joint angles that they need right so goalies do a lot of isometric holds if you look at their position they're in a specific joint angle that they're holding for a long period of time and then they have to explode out of that position well if you're not training those joint angles isometrically how are you meeting the demands of the sport sort of reminds me of the article kevin you wrote on on bob sergey Bobrovsky, and that big step he took to winning the Vesna trophy involved losing a lot of muscle mass, right? Yeah. And well, yeah, yeah. So now that, yeah, I, re- I remember actually seeing him for the first time compared to the year before, cause he had trained heavy the year before and going into the Columbus locker room and being like, where the hell's the rest of them? It was, it was jarring. I hadn't seen him all summer and he, he lost a ton of weight and 
gained a ton of power and health. Well, strength of mass. His mass went down, but he maintained his strength. Therefore, his ability, the amount of, the amount of uh, velocity he could generate was greater, which means he's quicker on the puck. He's quicker post to post. Right. And we're, we, we're not here to make big, heavy goaltenders. That's not what we're trying to do. So what, what could you do as a trainer who has to work with a team because it's, it's minor hockey. You get one hour a week with these guys off the ice and in a team environment. Is there a way that you can work with the goaltenders there and sort of keep them with the team, but make some slight adjustments? hundred percent. You can put them there's space off to the side. Goalies are still there, still part of the team. But they're doing things that are specific to the positional demands. And we call it the law of specificity in, in our field. The second you're violating the law of specificity, you're no longer training an athlete properly. You have to train them for the positional demands. And the goaltender is a lateral mover. Yes, there will be some anterior posterior movement, but predominantly they're lateral. And they are, they are a spider monkey. They have to stand on their heads. I mean, go back to the Grant Fear days and look at that guy. And he flipped around over there. You know, it... That level of a spider marking and agility requires a specific type of training, and it's not found in squats and deadlifts. Once they're at the positional demands, which means they have the strength and mass ratio required for that position at that age, stop. Start working on the ball stability drill. Start working on the ankle. Technically, you should be working on the ankle before you're applying the weight because what I always say is if you can't stand on one foot without any weight, why the hell would I give you a dumbbell? Because you don't have the ability to control your own body weight. So why am I going to add mass to you, which makes it even harder to control body weight? Because when it comes to motor behavior and motor programming, it is literally the sentence, perfect practice, perfect play. If you're doing something where you violate the law of specificity, you're doing something where the player can't actually access the muscle fibers, the neurology, or the joint angles required because of the resistance, you're not training them properly. I feel like we might have a future article here for... What do you do when you've got the rest of the team over here doing squats and deadlifts? How can you keep your goalies busy if you don't really understand goaltending? There's a future article and there's a future textbook. <laughs> there you go. Let's do that. No, I've been. I've already started writing it. Um, it's one where I'm, I'm frustrated enough that uh, I'm, I'm kind of putting down the Coles note of you know my 23, 24 years now of practice and just with appendices and exercises and everything because it's we're injuring goaltenders. I mean, you know, there's players that. You know, Woodley, you sent me a, a young man um, to see. Been, they were telling him to end the career, choose a different sport. Yeah, no, uh, and, and won't name names, but no. yeah, this is this is a young man who you know basically was told, oh, your hips aren't going to work as a goalie anymore. You're you're done." And, and and that sounds like you're talking about a 28 year old, but it's much younger. No, we're talking like teenager, 15, yeah. 16 years old. And after seeing James, he was back on the ice, and now he's got opportunities with junior teams that you know just a few months ago, our mainstream medical system were telling him. Like forget about playing at a high level. You'll be lucky if you pl- you probably should not be playing goalie again. No, and he's a kid that I, I think I've seen him three or four times. That's all I've seen him for. And I've taught him the why. I've taught him the way. I've shown him the exercises. I've shown him how to adjust himself. Um, and it, it it's nothing magic. His hips were rotated at a sacral torsion. He couldn't even get into internal rotation. His internal rotation was stuck at about five degrees of internal rotation when normally you're supposed to have forty five. Right. Started working on him. We got him out to about seventy degrees of internal rotation. Right, and now the the butterfly never hurts them. The butterfly won't hurt you if you keep that access to internal rotation. Hate to hate to do this again, but can we somehow, for people who don't know what internal rotation means, uh, as you're listening to this podcast, stand up and do the following? Sure, stand up. I'm going to stand up. Yep. You're going to stand up, you. and you're going to keep your heels on the ground, lift your foot off, and turn your big toes in towards the center of your body, keeping the heel on the ground. And ideally, if I'm doing this. 
you should be able to get to about 90 degrees without any resistance or stress. And if you can't hit 90, then there's a block. So your toes should be able to point at the inside exactly. of your other foot. Your toe should be point as a goalie should be pointing at the other toe. Right? I mean, you're a spider monkey that needs to be a yogi. Make a T with your feet. Exactly. A T yeah. or just to the toe or all the way to the heel? That's not uh, 90 degrees. So, That's 45, my friend. <laughs> so if we're here, so I'm going to step I'm old. I'm going to step out so Woodley can see me. Um, if you turn in, turn in, turn in, turn in, turn in, there. All the way to the heel. 90 yeah, and degrees. then I okay. plant it, and then I, just, I can come back and stretch it by planting my toe and then leaning into it. Super easy to do. But that's where it's a good test to see. So, I mean, hands on the iliac crest, hands on the hip bones from behind by, by parents, wife, husband, whichever. Seeing which side's high. Follow the five down things to set it. The sacrum is an easy one to actually assess and correct too, but we'll we'll leave that one for another time. Um, just because you got to imagine this way. If the hip rotates, okay, the only muscle group that opposes that anterior rotation or what's called we call an ARI is the hamstring. It's going to pull it down. Now, if the hamstring contracts, we never think about actions properly. We think, okay, hamstrings, yeah, it, it bends the knee and it extends the hip. What it also does is takes the head of the femur and sucks it up into the socket. Well, if I suck the head of the femur up into the hip socket, which is called your acetabulum, it can't internally rotate because it's hitting bone, right? And if the sacrum's torsion, well, then your piriformis muscle guards, which is a muscle that comes off the front of the sacrum and inserts into the hip, when he guards, it now takes the head of the femur, pulls it in even tighter, but then jams it into the front. So there is no internal rotation. That's where the muscle energy technique comes in. Just turn the damn muscles off and then rotate the hip and it'll fix itself. And all those muscles you just talked about are hamstring, piriformis, are all things it's that all the five we're damn stretching things the in the yeah. five damn things. or yeah. Not stretching, using muscle energy technique to release oh. as part of the, the hip routine in five damn things. That's exactly it. It's, you, you go back to it. I mean, why I did the five damn things is I'm frustrated seeing players like that young 15-year-old boy that are told this stuff, and it's not true. If I only sit a kid for three to four months, either, either I'm, I'm Dumbledore uh, as a wizard, or there's something just super simple that people are missing. Now, you're not saying that hip impingement and surgery for goaltenders is never a thing. I'm not saying that at all. There are times when it's required. So uh, I've got another goaltender in Kelowna that I work with that um, he had to have bilateral hip surgery in the offseason. He's back playing now, and he's fighting for the starting spot. He's a junior A kid. Um, he had cam lesions because his hip impingement had gone on for so long. And he had been playing through it through all of his junior career. What is a cam lesion? It's where you get a, a round circular growth of bone on the head of the femur. Okay. So now you make a, a, a round peg a little bit less round trying to fit into a round socket. So square peg, round hole, right? Um, I got a guy with Pittsburgh in there. He's down in the ECHL right now. Same thing. He had a bone growth on the hip, uh, off of the hip, off the acetabulum called a pincer lesion. Then a cam lesion, which is that growth of bone on the head of the femur. And it became because of impaction repeatedly over his career where the hip wasn't detentioned properly. It was left in a tension state where the, the, the femur was pulled into the socket and just kept on jamming away. And when that happens, there's a bone lining called the periosteum that you disrupt. Osteoblasts get out. They think the swelling, the, the blood that's there, they think it's a primitive bone matrix, so they start laying down bone. So if we just keep these young kids loose, keep their hips loose, impingement won't happen or it'll be, it's, it's less likely to occur, then we're less likely to get to these issues. So we can treat this in an allopathic lens which is technically tertiary care. We're, we're triaging primary, secondary, tertiary, but we're already at a tertiary level. The second you go to see your doctor for something, you're, you're, it's tertiary. Primary is doing the five damn things every day and doing your foot exercises every day, starting w with what matters. How young can you be doing these things? It's body weight. 
Uh, kids are running on the playground. They're jumping off monkey bars. Yeah, start. So there's no issue with a six-year-old goaltender. Not at all. The, the, thing. the sooner they start dialing into the neurology and learning how to control their tissues at a young age, the better of an athlete they're going to be. So this should really be part of every goaltending curriculum. This should be, yes. The, the neurology, the flexor extensor mechanism, um, uh, learning how to use the joint angle of, uh, of the foot properly. Because where we have to go back to it, when we talk about proprioception, it's your central nervous system monitoring stretch receptors. So you've got muscle spindles in the muscle belly. You've got Golgi tendon organs in the musculotendinous junction. You've got mechanoreceptors, four different types in your joint capsules and ligaments, all telling your brain muscle stretch, tendon stretch, ligament stretch, capsule stretch, and joint position. If you don't train the brain properly to be connected to those mechanoreceptors uh, in, in the ankle, you can't stand on the foot properly, which if you can't stand on the foot properly, why is the kid doing any weight? Perfect practice, perfect play. We have to start keep it's the keep it simple, stupid thing. Um, start with the simple things. Can the kid stand on one foot with his eye closed? And if he can't stand on one foot with his eyes closed, how is he going to focus on his feet when he's trying to lift weight and do a squat? He's going to make a joke about failing concussion tests due to an inability to stand on one leg with your eyes closed, but that hits a little too close to home. Forget the kid. The 50-year-old well, struggle. That's another topic for him. We'll, the whole we'll, we'll other topic is we'll I've got two guys from... Two other players, same thing. They they told they have concussions, and it's just a sacral torsion in the occiput. But and I'm just to dive into this one. If your hips rotated and your sacrum's rotated, well, L five rotates, which means your neck isn't screwed on straight, so your head isn't on straight, so you can't see. So anytime you go through concussion testing with those kind of alignments, it's invalid. It's like telling somebody they have a leg length discrepancy when the hips anteriorly rotated. If the hips anteriorly rotated, the acetabulum, the socket for the femur, goes posterior superior which means the leg link will be shorter. It's not a genetic leg link discrepancy. It's a functional. The hips rotated. But people never check the hips before they measure the leg. And they'll tell you, oh, no, you need to go to orthotics. You need to heel lift. Okay, so to go, go back to, because we talked about gaze before, and I just want to talk about, you talk about like how, you know, like the sacrum and the hips being out is going to go right up the chain into the neck and affect our ability to sort of position our head in a way that's going to allow us to see pucks gaze. Um, that a big part of this as well because I noticed that you know when you're working with Kristen and we're work you're working on the um, the balance stuff and and the boards and there's also an element of visual to this. There is hundred percent. So every player before they leave the gym, we're um, working with me. So I have a, I have a, my own private gym with the treatment room and everything else. Before they leave, they have to go through the somatic sensory post alignments. Alignments are first. If I train an athlete when they're in what's called a compensated state, which means that they're rotated or torsioned, I'm ingraining compensation. But if I only just fix the, the compensations, I fix the alignment issues, and then I don't resynapticize the brain through different movement drills, gaze drills, goggle drills, ball drills, the body doesn't adopt the new alignment properly. So if the sacrum rotates to the right, L5, the majority of the time, it goes to the right with it. L4 is transitionary. L1 to 3 spin the other way. Then your thoracic spins the other way. And then your cervical vertebrae spins the other way. So you're working up the chain. Exactly. And everything's twisting in opposite directions. Exactly. So then you end up with a head that's rotated and side bent. And then your body's going to try and adjust your position to see straight because it wants to see straight lines. That's your visual spatial center for balance. The other one is your vestibular, which is C1 and C2, atlas and axis, interacting with your inner ear to tell your brain postural sway and equilibrium. So if your neck's rotated, not only can't you see the puck right, but you're a clumsy oaf on the ice. That pretty much describes me. Maybe that's the problem. That's why I suck. <laughs> I know it's a completely different joint than we're talking about, but would it be crazy to say what, what you're describing is 
almost the same thing as going into the gym and and working on skills wearing only one shoe because you have to compensate for that and then you're not training what you should be training. We could probably get through the workout, but it's not going to work very well. For no, you. it's not going to work very well because you're, you're, you're in a position where you're changing the biomechanical demands, yeah. right? Um, and for these young players, young athletes, for the pro players as well, um, you know, if your head's not on right, you can't see, you can't truck and the track. The analogy is when, when the sacrum's rotated and the occiput, which is the base of the skull and C1, C2 are rotated, you can't stop a beach ball. But when it's aligned and you've worked on the gaze properly, you can stop sand. And it's, it's, that's literally where it sits. If you're torsioned, you're not at your potential in that. You, you've, your proprioception, your ability to understand where you are in space and where everything else in space basically ends. Is off. It's, the system's turned off. You're not tensioning the ear properly. Um, and, and you're not, that ability to actually get that gaze down three degrees to tension the crystals of the inner ear isn't there because your neck's rotated. You can't get there. So, I mean, there could be different reasons, obviously, that things work or don't work, but could you dial in? I came to you, I said, I've got a kid who he just can't stop a puck high blocker. Would you be able to say, oh, well, because of that, I think this is probably what's wrong? For sure. So you look at his blocker hand, then you look at the rotation in the neck. If blocker hand's right and my neck happens to be rotated left, I can't quite get my gaze over there to see it. It's almost like your head doesn't have access to You the have puck. to understand your vision's binocular. As human beings, we are binocular vision. I can see a chair over to my right when I'm looking straight, but if I close my right eye, I no longer see a chair. So if I can't get my head over to the blocker side to get my eyes onto the puck, not to see where my blocker is because you want to see where the puck is, uh, if I can't get over to see the puck, I can't respond. I can't track properly to it. My body's not going to orientate to that puck, right? Because I can't turn my head to get there. You can't stop what you can't see. And if you can't turn your head to look, you're never going to stop it. People realize they can't? Um, no, I think they, 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 they always go, well, it's, it's got to be this. It's got to, I just need better pads or I need, I need a different cage or, you know, I, I need to do this. And reality is, is just stop and look in the mirror. So moms and dads that are out there, Stand behind your kid while he looks in the mirror and just put your fingers on top of each ear. If you just put your fingers on top of each ear and look in the mirror, you're going to see a kid that's staring at you with his head not on straight. And then the next thing we'll probably get into is the five damn things is how to actually correct the occiput yourself. Because with muscle energy, the sorry, the occiput's another the base of word. the skull. The base of the skull. <laughs> he, correct, he got this one already. We already he already defined it. Uh, well, how to we'll correct get him it with, to do it again. You and I are occiputs, so we got to come at it from different. We're occiputs. Occiputs. Um, but you can correct an occiput with a simple muscle energy technique that's not harmful. You're talking about 5 to 10% effort on a muscle energy side, just in a specific position. Um, they're, they're, you're not, there's no thrusting. There's no snapping. There's no cracking. It's 5 there's to no 10% effort. There's no risk to it. And that's something that parents can do for their kids to straighten them out. Some parents can do to themselves to straighten them out. Um, you know, it, it's something that's super helpful. And we're just, we're missing that. As therapists, we have to do a better job at teaching the players the why, teaching the goalies the why, and then teaching them the how to do it themselves. And that's every player I work with walks out there, and we call it the way. When you talk to one of my boys, we say, have you been taught the way? He's like, oh, I know the way. And we refer to that way. This is the way. Um, reason being is, is we want them to go out there, and I want all my boys out there to be doing this stuff on their own without needing me because I don't want phone calls or Zoom calls in the evenings. I was just going to say, Hutch, you get to be Baby Yoda in this. Um, that was me. At least I he apologize. was the wise one. Uh, yeah. That's true. Um, we've heard from a player, and again, we won't name names because it's treatment, 
um, whose wife is able to correct. You send diagrams, get a picture, send a diagram, push here, press there, push against this. And so the idea here is because a lot of people be like, oh, I'm just trying to get a whole bunch of clients over to James Wendland's place in, in Kelowna. But you really have through your sharing for us and through some of the stuff, like you said earlier, I don't, I don't want to see you forever. No, I don't. I, 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 it's three to five. You should be done. Would you take your car to a mechanic twice a week for a year if it was never getting fixed? And the answer should be no. There was some hesitation on my part, but I may not have been that bright with a past mechanic. But at the same time, I mean, we that's exactly what we're doing in therapy right now. Why is maintenance a thing? Do you need maintenance? If I fix the issue, why do you need maintenance? So for me, it's more, I do want to teach him. So that that particular show guy, um, yeah, I, I, I've taught his wife how to do it. And there's a lot of guys. I got a bunch of Div 1 guys down in the States to do the same thing. Um, I've got some AHL guys. They just take a picture, a specific picture. Somebody takes it from the backside. They have their hands on their hip landmarking. And then I, I pull up my software programs and I start drawing all the lines and I show them where the rotations are. And then I say, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. And I send them instructions at first. They know how to do it. I, I've taught them in person. Um, and, you know, and as, as this one player's wife says, she says, just now I'm, I'm now an osteo as well. I'm like, all right, you're an osteo too. <laughs> so, but, but it's more, it's nothing dangerous. She's not harming the player. The player feels better afterwards. He's performing better. Um, and it's just simple muscle energy techniques in what's called using specific articulating technique. And all that means is you place the body into a specific position, and then you have the body use its own muscle energy to correct the bone itself. So in the absence of thrusting, the alignment just stays because the body did it. You didn't do it. The body did. The person did. So technically, I'm a lazy therapist. I make you do all the work, and I just sit there. I just hold you in the same position. Well, I think there's a lot of goalies that would happily do the work based on the feedback we've had, especially the hips. And again, I think we need to push the feet and the other things that we've got up on the site because as goalies, I think we think, oh, once my hips are good, I'm good. So they just want to do the five damn things for the hips. Guilty is charged a little bit. That's the one that I do the most. But we've had feedback from aging goalies to, like I said, junior goalies and even NHL goalies on that five damn things for the hips. So that's like, how come nobody showed me this before? Yeah, that's, I get that actually a lot. Um, And I don't understand. I mean, I've been circling around uh, the hockey world for two decades. Um, you know, I've seen a lot. I mean, a lot of times, it, you know, team trainers are busy. They're, they're trainers, they're equipment managers, they're the jack of all. And, and sometimes, I mean, even there's an AHL team I was working with, and the trainer's honest with me. He says, I get 12 minutes per player on a game day. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, if you got 12 minutes, then here, please just do this. Right? And the wonderful compliment I got back is he actually, he actually asked me to send him some textbook to read, which I did. I mailed him some textbooks and I had some highlights and things to focus on and yeah, he's doing a great job and he was doing a great job before. It's just now he's doing an even greater job. Focused on different things. Now we should mention we're doing this from a teaching facility. So like when you talk about teaching and helping players wives so they can actually help treat the athlete without you having to make, you know, plane rides all over North America when they call cause they're out of line. Um, walk us through a little bit of what you do on the teaching side as well now. For sure. So I, I'm, I've always taught, um, you know, I, and now I teach at the few different private colleges. So I teach at a massage therapy school in Kelowna. I teach anatomy and neurology. That's kind of my specialty. And then here where we're sitting, it's the Manual Osteopathic College of Canada. And this is um, future Manual Osteopaths that we're grooming and bringing out into the world. And I'm actually down this weekend because I'm invigilating them. Um, it's their final exams and their boards and everything else. And um, so it's a school where we, we, we teach the principles of Tinsegrid, where we teach people how to align with, with muscle energy and specific articulated techniques. And sadly, there just isn't enough of us around. Um, 
You know, I get people all the time like, oh, I used to see an Austin in Toronto, but I haven't been able to find one here. And that's back where I am in Kelowna. And once they, the problem is, is once they find you, you can't get rid of them. <laughs> and my, my, my schedule is public. I thought you only needed to see them three times. I do. And no, no. I, and I can tell a funny story about that one. I have a lady that literally sent me an email interact for 10 sessions. And she didn't need 10. I'd seen her. She was fine. She just, she, she said, I just want to see you once a week just to make good. And I said, no, you can't do that. I said, when you screw it up, you can come back. So she just sent me an email transfer to my email. And I returned it to her. And I said, no, you're good. You don't need to see me. I got it sent back to me with the words in the comments that said no with an exclamation mark. But then I had to have a conversation with her and just sort of say, listen, like this isn't a need thing. Like I don't have space in my calendar to have somebody there weekly. Right. Now there are a few that I do treat because, you know, they're, they're, I do a lot of ICBC work in the province of BC because, you know, as a kin, I get funded to do it for my undergrad stuff. Um, and there's some there where I see them a bit more regularly because they've had, they've been blessed to have four or five accidents and I don't know how they managed to achieve that. Um, outside of that, when that's where you get, so there's a type of lesions is a primary where it's acute player gets hit, knocked. That's an acute issue. There's a secondary where the body compensates for the acute issue. And then you get a tertiary where somebody compensates for compensation. Those are the ones that need a bit more help. It's hard to unpack those. So those older players that have been just playing through without being shown the way or, uh, or being taught the way, um, they get into a compensated state where now you're trying to sort of pull the stick out of the mud while the house is burning on fire. So that sort of raises a question in my mind to, to the player that comes to see you and everything gets aligned and they feel fantastic as they walk out. What's happening on the ice in practice if it's not an acute injury that makes them feel I'm out of line again? It doesn't have to be acute. It could just be positional. Like you get, I mean, I've had a player that was put, an older player, putting on a sock and he just coughed and then sneezed at the simultaneously while he was bent over putting a sock on and popped his SI out. Right. So sometimes we're supposed to talk about Kevin. I was talking about Kevin. This is just, this is somebody else, but, but no, I, mean, I, I deserve that for the Yoda. Thing. Totally. But it's, it's sometimes just the position you're in where there's a specific demand that's placed, you know, or you just slip and fall on your butt and the jarring force just pushes the hip, gives you a high iliac instead of a rotated iliac, right? Just simple slips and falls, uh, things like that can occur. Or, you know, you're a young kid texting and walking and you step off a curb without looking and you smack down hard. Well, that's going to jar the hip up as well. So there's some positional things like that or just overuse. They've overtensioned it. They're in the gym and, you know, they haven't woken up the neurology. They don't know where the center of gravity is and they're on squats already and they're dominating to one side because they didn't work on the center of gravity. Or they're on the ice for an hour and a half and their goalie coach has got them going through the same bloody drill into the same bloody position and they yeah. also didn't wake up the hips. Well, and that's or the, they're tensioning coach. one side. Yeah. Or their head, head coach, coach yeah. is doing flow drills for an hour and a half and there's no rest. Totally. And you, but then you're just tensioning one side of the body and then that one side of the body, if I tension one side, Going back to the rules of 10 segment, it's going to pull the other side, right? If my shirt gets pulled over here, where else does it pull? When I'm pulling the left side of my shirt, it's going to pull on the right side, right? So if I'm doing positional drills more to one side than the other, I'm going to rotate myself that way. Off of Kevin's point there, w would you have any advice for the goalie coach working on the ice with their kids? Yeah, learn the five damn things and work with your kids. But on the ice, is there a different approach needed? Sure, that's... When you see the player's fatigue, stop. Because otherwise, you're just training bad motor programs. You know, poor practice, poor play. So if you get a player to a state of fatigue, they're no longer recruiting properly. They're not recruiting from an optimal area. So move on to a different drill. Like, start with your complex no, but pattern. James, but James, like, there's going to be five on threes, and it's going to be an overtime. That kid's got to be able to push through it. Um. Okay. In a game scenario, if his cardiovascular demands are taken care of and his beta-oxidative systems develop properly, he will. But in practice, if you're trying to train specific joint angles to move that's something you have to teach the brain from a young age 
when the kid has full access to all the tissues. You can fatigue at a muscular level and you can fatigue at a neurological level. You can deplete the neurotransmitters, right? You can block the channels between the synaptic clefts of the nerves where they won't fire anymore. And that happens when a player gets fatigued. So now the player at that level starts recruiting other motor units and other fibers that they don't actually need to cheat to do the motion. And now they're looking clumsy because they're drawing bigger boys instead of the small finesse guys. And so when you get a player fatigued like that, just move on to a different drill. Like if you have a hard drill you want to do, stack it up first where he's got a lot of energy. And then once you see they're starting to fatigue, move to some simpler things. Less movement, more tracking, more gaze. Right? Do you have a like a rule for what they would be looking for? You'll see you'll see a player. When a, I mean, obviously, this is what I say to every skater I work with. If I ever see you with a stick on your knees, boy, I'm going to eat you live next time you're in my gym. Because you can tell when a player's tired. They're bent over. They're huffing and puffing. Even a goalie. He's in the squatted position. He's resting his arms on his quads because they're burning. He can't stand himself up. And you can see him huffing. You can see the breath. In that position, when he's there, sure, you can argue he needs cardiovascular work uh, or muscle energy work in the sense of glycogen demands. Um, But at the same time, if you're trying to work on positional stuff, it can't come from a place of fatigue because you you fatigue the neurology. And the neurology is the positional demands you're trying to work on. It's square peg round hole. But then they do need to do some of that cardio work so that. But that's, that's separate. Not an issue. That's separate no, from no, no, position. No, for sure, for sure, I understand that. Totally. But, but you're saying that you need that preparation away from the ice so that you can focus on what you need to focus. Oh, on. Oh, yeah, and that's a ice. whole other conversation. We do that completely wrong for a goaltender. A goaltender is a beta oxidative athlete. They're out there for sixty minutes. They're a marathoner. They they are not. Um, they are but not they also sp- have to be able to sprint and handle power plays yeah. and do everything else for sure. So they need on a five zone model where zone one is rest. Um, zone two is aerobic, or sorry, beta oxidative. Zone three is aerobic glycolysis. Zone four is your lactate, aerobic, your aerobic anaerobic glycolysis, and then zone five is phosphate, your phosphagen. They only ever need to train zone two beta oxidation, which is long, slow distance, and then zone four. And a lot of teams and a lot of players get stuck in that those junk miles of zone three, where they're not improving their lactate threshold, but they're sure as crap pushing down their beta oxidative. And where this matters is. If I train my beta oxidative system for every one triglyceride, I get 400 gold coins called adenosine triphosphate. Whereas if I train zone three for every molecule of glycogen, glycogen sorry, I only get 32 to 34 ATP. Now, once I'm anaerobic, I get three to four. And once I'm phosphagin, I get one. So beta oxidation is the gold mine for a goaltender. It needs to be fully developed. And then, yes, they need a strong and a high lactate threshold that's shifted as far to the right as they can um, on their, on their, testing um to withstand those higher intensity demands but what's going to spare glycogen for a third period spare glycogen for an overtime is the development of that beta oxidative pathway so when you're talking about the development of a goaltender there's neurology there's the energy system dynamics and this is where we go back to the demands analysis of that position in the sport and it's different from a skater does a goaltender get to come off and sit on the bench for a minute minute and a half uh well kevin and i quite frequently get pulled to sit on the bench but uh, most usually longer than prefer- a minute and a half they don't want me to go back in i don't yeah, know why for most sure tennis prefer to be out there the whole game but they so that and that instantly changes the demands of the sport right so a skater is different from a goalie and we're, we're training goalies like we train skaters so if i as a goalie coach and without us going too deep into the textbook here but if i as a goalie coach have a goaltender whose team needs aren't meeting this should I be saying once a week go to the gym and hop on the bike for forty five yeah, minutes? You would on it simple this way. 
you want to hop on the bike for a minimum 40 minutes for beta oxidation is minimum 40 minutes. You can do a walk, bike, whatever. Um, but you should be able to say 15 words comfortably in a sentence. If you can't say 15 words comfortably, you're into junk miles, which is aerobic glycolysis, right? So 15 words comfortably riding a bike. So for an adult male, it's probably 80, 90 wants sadly these days. And I mean, I, when I was doing my graduate work, I worked with cat one cyclists. I mean, these guys, they could ride at 440 watts for an hour without ever fatiguing. And that's because they trained the beta oxidative system properly, right? And it's like marathoners. They have to have a robust beta oxidative because 80% of a marathon has to be run in zone two. So goaltenders, they're out there for 60 minutes. They're not coming off. They're not sitting down. They don't get a break. So we're doing 45 minutes to an hour of aerobic work yep. once a week, um, twice a week in season. Well, we in the season, it'd be two to three times because it's just recovery. It's like a recovery ride, long, slow distance. And then a couple times a week, yeah, lactate threshold. You're going to do a zone four, which my boys hate. You're doing th- three to five rounds of, dear gosh, this really sucks. And then at three minutes and then three minutes of, wow, this still really sucks, but I can kind of do it. And you just keep on repeating it. And that would be like twice a week. Um, outside of that, that's all you need to do on the cardio side. And then you focus on what matters more than neurology, the, the access to tissue, the access to joint range of motion, um, and then the gaze stability, the tracking. That's the magic sauce for a goaltender. And sadly, we're, we're not, you know, it has to start at a young level, but even at the junior level, at the, at the dub level, at the, the, the AHL and NHL level, we're still missing the, we're still missing the post a little bit. We're getting way better. There's some really great coaches out there. Some of them I work with that fully understand it. Um, but there's still, there's still some dinosaurs for how we're going about stuff and it'll change over time as we go. Uh, for sure. We always evolve. We always get better. Uh, but if you see what one goaltender is doing uh, and, and, they're, they're, and they're different than everyone else, then you're going to kind of want to look at like, why are they doing that? Right. And how are they getting better? And that's where if put it this way, your head is literally in your bum, your spinal cord attaches to your sacrum. So if your sacrum's rotated, your head's rotated. I said bum. Um, He's been telling me my head's up my ass for a year. Literally. Uh, but you got to understand this way. Your, 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 your brain and your spinal cord is one unit. Your spinal cord exits the skull through what's called a frame, in, frame magna, technically. And it's surrounded by dura matter that goes all the way down to T12L1, where it splits into a Latin word called cauda equina, which means horsehair. Nothing complex, horsehair. And that inserts into S1, S2 of the sacrum. So if the sacrum's rotated, it's pulling on the cauda equina, which then pulls on the brain and the spinal cord, which then rotates the occiput. And you can't fix a crooked foundation by straightening the roof, which means you can't straighten the neck. You got to go to the hips first. And that's what we call it unity one. The pelvic girdle and L405 is unity one for us. Then the neck, the head, the, the head down to T4, that's unity two. I do unity one, then I do unity two. And then everything else is unity three and that usually clears up on its own. Once I have one and two set, if I have a lingering issue, I'll address it. If not, immediately into synaptizing the player through drills and this is gaze drills balance drills uh the five down things for the foot drills the bosu stuff that you see and a ton more there's a ton more stuff that i haven't been able to show that i'd love to get out there to the public even the ball stuff that we do um, it blows goalies minds well we're we consider us in for that um so but to get back to sort of where it starts for you guys which tells me five down things for the hips is where it starts for us as goalies it's i guess all that, in the hips so it, yeah there we go Adam Chandler applies to what I do so much. It's just, just go home. Why don't you just go home? This is perfect. I think we're going to wrap it up there because uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of words that people are going to have to look up. There's a lot of articles we have to write. There's a lot of articles we have to write, a lot more five damn things we got to do. But James, thank you so much for sharing that. I think just explaining and giving us the background on it for those that have tried it, 
and maybe tried it and stopped doing it because, oh, I'm, I'm better now. That's not how this works. And we appreciate you explaining why. It's do your homework. It's daily. Like if you want to have a long career, you want to have a good career, this things you do, it's like brushing your teeth, right? The, the five down things for the foot is the same like brushing your teeth every morning. You don't want to stink, right? So do it every day. Awesome. And we'll have more five down things coming up that you can do every day at ingoldmag.com. Thank you, sir. Thank you, boys. Thank you, James. As you guys are talking, I'm writing things down, but I'm already, I had to catch myself from trying to rewind as, as it was going. Yeah, there's some words I, in I there that keep up to it. I don't know if I could write down because I couldn't spell them. Yeah. That was for me. Uh, then, then I was, I was lost. Hey, I, I'm taking physio right now. I'm rehabbing and get trying to get some mobility on, on a bad hip, an arthritic hip, uh, from years of, of, of playing our position. So I'm a little more in tune. It's perfect timing because I'm doing a bunch of these exercises and getting treatment and hearing some of what he says just strikes a, a, a note. It's, it's fabulous. One, how much ahead of the curve you can get before you get to the stage where you're battling uh, the injury and you've got the impingement and so forth. But, uh, but the other part is the simplicity, the relative simplicity of some of yes. this, uh, Woody. Yeah, no, and, and you know, what, like, go back to five damn things with hips. Like, there's more for the hips, and we'll introduce them with time, but, like, the five damn things is a simple, you know, you get the muscle energy technique where you sort of get into a stretch, and as soon as you feel that, that sort of, what he calls it, feather barrier, start of a stretch, you push against yeah, it. Yeah, feather barrier I didn't get at, at first, and there's, oh, well, that's, that's, that makes sense. And you just push against it a little bit. Like, I, it's unreal to me how many goalies we've seen go into that for the first time. These are like, we're talking professional goalies in some cases. Never been introduced to it. Walk in with a, a tight, uh, something's tight. I, I got no rotation and I like, have no, literally, like, move the leg to show internal rotation. It'll be like five degrees. Do that routine and they're well past 45. Like, it just opens up and you should be doing it on a daily basis. And it's funny because once I got hit in the head, I stopped doing it. And so, because I wasn't playing anymore. So what happened? My hips got tight. Uh, my sacrum got twisted. I ended up a mess, like in part because I stopped doing that stretch because everything, a lot of things run through the hips. And so I highly recommend people go check out five damn things at ingoldmag.com, search it up, get the hip one, do the foot one. We've got more coming from James. Um, you know, the stories are real in there. I have a friend whose son is um, an aspiring young goalie, uh, 15 turning 16, and he was basically at the point where the medical people were telling him, you know, you need to find another position or another sport like this. These hips just aren't going to allow you to play the game. And within one session with James, he could butterfly again. And with a little bit of follow-up, he's now been invited and, and offered AP opportunities with junior teams. So, um, you know, it's real. We've seen it in real world uh, working on goalies young and old and right up to the National Hockey League. Goalies are like, I've never been taught these sort of stretches or these five damn things, and I can't believe how good my hips feel. And so it's um, it's it's a game changer in a lot of ways if you've never sort of had access to, to these types of drills. And so check it out. We just did the ultimate burying of the lead. We're an hour and a half into this episode that probably should have started with, if you're worried about your hips, 
whether you're struggling with them now or you're a parent worrying about your son or daughter who's just become a goaltender, you need to listen to this episode. Because really, these simple things need to be part of your arsenal every day. We should have started with that. Well, how about balancing your hips? Like that that simple exercise of because we all we all get out of whack our bodies yep. and, and one hip ends up higher than the other and puts a little more stress on hamstrings and groins, et cetera. The simplicity of being able to do that at home. Well, how often do we get out of whack like that? And the other things are where the symptoms appear and we go in for physio or go into or we just think, oh, I've got a tight hamstring. I've got to treat that or my upper back or my shoulder. Like I've had issues in up into the neck that I'm like, you know, I'm spending a lot of money getting treated. And it's like, oh, guess what, dummy? It was your hips or your sacrum. Yeah. Like, and you need to start at the root. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a good lesson. It's good, and and again, there's takeaways there for everyone that you can do at home. Well done, especially uh, your young uh, family friend who was adjusted, and he was being told to try maybe another sport. Like, I went for a couple of golf lessons one time. I was told to try tennis. <laughs> I wish I would have. Known I don't think that was James the situation here, point. Darren. Different apples and oranges, buddy. <laughs> I, I, uh, James could have saved me uh, a lot of money on rackets because that didn't work either. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, I wasn't listen very every time that. I play goal, someone tells me to. It's not about health. They just tell me to play a different sport. Usually my teammates. Darren's hand eye is so good that he took up cycling. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I still couldn't figure out the gears for seven months. Uh, Let's uh, get to uh, our wrap up here and want to thank James for being so patient with us and uh, and you guys, uh, fabulous job there. And Cam, looking forward to the Black Friday deal. It's Thanksgiving uh, next week in the United States, so we're going to dial into that. And, of course, uh, the ultimate passion that uh, Dave and uh, uh, Woody show for this beautiful position. And we'll talk to you next week on In Goal Radio, the podcast presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports Langley, thehockeyshop.com. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs>